As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed from Raiders training camp, ready to get you set for the 2021 season. Raiders, uh, three practices into their training camp. Vic and Deshaun are out there in Vegas uh, checking them all out and Guys, just what are the early impressions? Gus Bradley, ton of energy, as Vic wrote to kind of set up camp. Uh, Derek Carr is no longer the most positive guy in the uh, in the organization. It's all about Gus Bradley and the positive vibes. And I guess we'll see what that does once the season gets rolling. But what are the impressions so far from the Raiders through three practices? The first thing that jumped out to me getting out there Wednesday, they sort of started practice doing some team drill stuff. And I was just kind of taking stock of the, the starting lineup on both sides of the ball. And I saw that Dallin Levitt was starting at free safety. And so I wasn't expecting to see that one. Um, and I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's the first day of camp. Maybe they're just, just messing with us. But but even today, Friday, he was getting some some first team reps as well at free safety. And they've, they've been pretty frequent throughout camp. People kind of question every year, including us, how he keeps making the 53-man roster. You know, he's mostly been a special teams guy to this point. But... Uh, you know, I, I guess with you know Tyree Gillespie has, has missed the last couple of practices with an injury, and you know they're pretty young back there. So you know, I, I don't know if that's going to be a thing all the way throughout camp, but that was something that I definitely uh, didn't expect to see. My first kind of view of, of training camp, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a nice reward for a guy who's been there for I don't know, how long has been now four or five years. I think you got to be able to start day one of training camp. But uh, yeah, I think as, as the rookie gets you know more settled in, I can't imagine that lasts too much longer. Pads go on. On Tuesday, so uh, I'd imagine about then we'll see uh, the depth chart probably more in line to what we thought it was going to be. I am so excited that we let everybody build all this anticipation for the first state of the nation of training camp, and we kick it off with Dallin Levitt. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, about that? That's good stuff. <laughs> Just wait till we get to Stoner. Do we mention that, that Tanner Muse is also playing a lot in practice? Hey. Oh, yeah, Tanner Muse. <laughs> Javin White. He's out there. Yeah. See? 
so have the playoff tickets been printed yet? Uh, you you got to No, I mean, we're obviously kidding. Um, That's kind of how things work a lot of times in the NFL. I mean, like Vic said, you know, you reward a guy. and You don't want to give a guy like uh, Trevon Merrig, uh, just immediately put him out there. Um, he will be the starter when week one rolls around, barring injury or anything like that. But, um, I mean, it makes sense to, to not just anoint these guys right away. Speaking of kind of guys that are going to have to earn their role, uh, you know, Vic... Cleveland Furl, uh, number four overall pick a couple years ago. Obviously, a guy who has not lived up production wise to that selection, but he is a solid NFL rotational defensive lineman, and that kind of looks like what he might be this year—a rotational defensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this early, but you watch, you know, these first days of practice in camp, and he's a uh, he's second team uh, on the outside, and when he plays that inside, he's also second or third team. So at this point. It looks like strictly a reserve role for him. They got uh, Crosby and Ngakwe on the outside, and they got Jefferson Hankins inside to start off with, and they kind of rotate Solomon Thomas in there a little bit inside, as well as Darius Phylon, and you got Carl Nassib, who's on the other end on the second team. So a lot of guys. This is a very deep um, D-line group this year, but, yeah, I don't think Clee's going to start this year. So I think that will be, I'm sure, a big storyline because of where he was picked. Yeah, we kind of talked about this when Ngakwe started gaining weight you know, he's probably going to play the strong side end and, you know, he's not going to be that ideal strong side end because he's just not a great run defender. But I think the Raiders are just okay with that and uh, they'd rather have two legit pass rushers out there. Yeah, I think the, the defensive line rotation is, is making up to be pretty fluid. I mean, it'll have to be to a degree given, you know, Gus Bradley's system and, uh, you know, not blitzing very often. And, you know, they, they put a lot of pressure on that front four to, you know, get in the backfield and create havoc both against the run and the pass. And, you know, you can't really just stick with your starters the whole time and not expect them to get worn down as the games go on and as the season goes on. And so while Clee may not start games, you know, it doesn't mean he, he's not going to play, you know, a significant number of snaps, whether that's on the outside or, or inside, depending on, you know, whether it's more of a run heavy down or, or pass heavy down. So, you know, obviously, you know, guys like, like Jan and, and Max are going to play a lot of reps, but I think it's going to be pretty interchangeable even within drives at times. I mentioned this in my story, but I think don't be surprised as, as camp goes along and we get to the preseason that Solomon Thomas is actually more outside. And I think they're going to find he's probably too small to be the three technique. That's been a problem for him with the Niners. He's clearly not the ideal size for a guy inside. So I think he will play inside some, but I can definitely see as we get towards week one, he's actually filling that role as the end and some running down. So I definitely could see that happening. You know, I think one thing that's interesting about the way this defensive line is composed is that, I mean, obviously, ideal world, you want star players, you want guys that are, you know, tremendous impact players. But, I mean, the Raiders, like, they don't have anybody on this line. I mean, Ngankwe is the closest to a guy that, okay, he has made a Pro Bowl. He has a guy that that's pretty well established, you know, good free agent contract. You know, and Max Crosby obviously had a good rookie year, a solid second year. But, I mean, nobody on this defensive line is at the level where, you, know, you say that guy has to be out there every down or has to be out there the majority of downs. I mean, they do have the flexibility that like n nobody is dominant enough that they can really get a whole lot of blowback if they're like, hey, this is going to be your role. So you just kind of have to hope that just having a lot of solid guys kind of adds up to a defensive line that probably still not going to be great, um, but can be a lot better than what they put out the last few years. Yeah, and also the Gus is counting on having a bunch of guys who can rotate in. He, like, there's, there are deep this year, so I think he's looking to hopefully eight guys who can rotate in, stay fresh, and kind of have that extra extra burst when they get in there. So I definitely think that the depth should work to their advantage. 
Yeah, I think kind of another position that I've noticed so far where, where it seems like they're they're taking that rotational approach has been linebacker. I guess the piece of it I've kind of been surprised by is, is seeing, you know, kind of Nick Kwiatkowski and his role seemingly being reduced. You know, just watching the first three practices, obviously, you know, again, it's early, but he's pretty much been you know, almost entirely working with the second team. He's gotten some first team reps here and there. And I, I know we were joking earlier, but I mean, you see guys like Tanner Muse and, and Javin White out there with the first team almost just as often as you do Nick Kwiatkowski. And, you know, whether it's a two linebacker or a three linebacker set. And we asked Gus Bradley about it today. And, you know, he was saying, it, you know, it may change depending, you know, which package they're in, whether it's nickel or a big nickel or dime or, or base. It seems so far like, like Nicholas Moreau and Corey Littleton are probably the leaders of the group, but they've been pretty free and willing to switch guys in and out at that level as well. So I think kind of in the front seven in general, we're going to see kind of a lot of mix and match matchups or, or lineups that kind of look like, you know, starters and backups blending together. Yeah, I think with Gus, we talked about how positive he is. I mean, that's his personality. I think everyone he talks about is definitely looks for the, po- the nicest things to say about them. But I think you can definitely see the special certain sparkle in his eye when some guys are talked about. I think Morrow is one of those guys. You know, Morrow's a guy who was a free, he was here last year, but was been here for a while. But was a free agent, could have laughed. And clearly, Gus wanted him back and John wanted him back. They gave him, I think, $4.5 million for one year. So I definitely think um, – I think Gus said today he has a chance to kind of take over the defense. So his speed, leadership abilities, it's all there for Nick to have a a big year this year. Well, I'm sure Gus Bradley listened to the podcast and found out that he was our defensive player of the year last year. So, of course, he's going to take over the defense. He was the best player on their defense last year. What what was the prize? You got like a T-shirt? What what would we give Nick for that? What's what's the trophy for the Sports State of the Nation player of the year? He was announced as a State of the Nation player of the year on our (laughs) podcast. (laughs) That's a great deal. Congratulations, Nick. (laughs) We don't have a great budget, all right? We can't afford a t-shirt right now. Wow, that's rough. I don't think COVID-19 protocols would allow Uh, us to be able to hand him a t-shirt. So we'll we'll, we'll take care of him at some point uh, down the road. Plus, it's a jinx. Didn't we give Eric Harris a t-shirt? He's gone, so maybe it's a bad, bad luck. Oh, we gave um, Andrew DePaula a T-shirt and a hat, and he tore his ACL uh, oh. <laughs> before the season even started. God, we should make a list. Like this, um, my guy Frosty Rucker. Frosty got a T-shirt. He's gone. He got elevated to captain after he got the T-shirt. That's true. All right, so maybe he got, he got that. Mid, he had, he got that mid-season elevation to captain. So uh, you know, some people have gotten taken care of. Uh, you know, Andrew DePaula. I still feel bad for that one. That was crazy. He was like the top long snapper in the league, and he was out of out of football. That was anyway. That was another topic for another day. But talking about Gus and the guys, he's positive about. I think uh, Nate Hobbs definitely stood out. Um, like he, he might be even make a serious run at starting at slot. I think he's been really fast. As Gus mentioned from day one, he's been the kind of guy who's really um, made a lot of big plays. So I think that's a guy clearly one of their their best rookies so far has been Nate Hobbs. Yeah, and the thing with with Nevin is, or Nevin Lawson is that you know him being suspended the first two games of the year due to PEDs. I mean, basically whoever wins the backup job is essentially going to be the starter to begin the season. And I mean, you know, it, it seems to be Nate Hobbs so far. Who's to say that you know if he doesn't go out there and and ball out the first two games, you know, maybe that's a job that you know he just continues to hold on to from there. And so. You know, it sounds weird to say that the race for the backup is kind of the race for the starter, but that's kind of the situation that they're in right now. Vic, talk to me about Damon Arnett. Um, obviously, he was a topic mainly because of you. You know, you told you, you wrote about it being an afterthought. What's the vibe around Damon Arnett uh, now that they're in camp? Uh, is there any kind of sense that 
you know, he took some of what was said about him in the uh, in that six week period and uh, and is putting it to good work as he gets in their training camp. Yeah, I think it has been positive. I think some of he's gotten the message a little bit. I think he's uh, been working hard in the weight room, and I think Gus they mentioned he's always around. Uh, Casey Hayward kind of picking his brain, so I think definitely uh, what they wanted him to hear, he heard. But um, I'm still not sure how that translates to him playing a lot. Cause I definitely think um, Casey Hayward's going to be the, clearly the starter at one spot, and I think. Um, Gus was very, very high today on Trayvon Mullen. Talked about his being so consistent, which he loves, he loves as far as things he's looking for and these players he has this year. So to me, it's I think it's pretty clear it's going to be Mullen and um, Hayward on the outside. And they haven't, even from what I've seen, I haven't tried Arnett in the slot yet. So I can't imagine that's an option. So at this point, I think he's probably their third outside cornerback. I haven't seen either one of them work at, at nickel pretty much at all. And Arnett is... is... I think he's he might have rotated into the first team here and there, but it's pretty much exclusively been Hayward and Mullen working outside. And so it's not the best look, given you just drafted Arnett 19th overall a year ago. But, you know, if you feel like Hayward is the better corner, you got to put him out there right now. It just makes you question kind of their what their evaluation was going into the draft last year. I think there's also a question of uh, how Arnett fits into this defense as well. You know, when Gus Bradley was hired, I kind of thought Arnett isn't a great fit as an outside corner because you know, they drafted him to be a press man corner and they're going to play a lot of zone, a lot of cover three, and you need a certain skill set for that that he just hasn't shown. So it's going to be, a, I think, a difficult transition for Arnett, and it's definitely showing early. I'm wondering how much of that Gus Bradley addition that if that doesn't just kind of give them you know, the ability to say, all right, normally – a guy that was drafted 19th, you know, drafted in the first round of the year before, like you just almost have to start him. With Bradley coming in, knowing how poorly the defense played last year and, and all that, that just kind of gives them that ability to say like, all right, you know, we're going to go with who Bradley wants and sorry if he's not a scheme fit. I mean, that's not, you know, we've obviously seen them make a lot of big whiffs in the early part of the draft. That would be another one, but that would be their way to kind of explain it away that, oh, he's sorry, he just doesn't fit our new coordinator. You know, Paul Gunther, I don't want to like, dunk on him but like the, the defense had been pretty bad for a minute so it wasn't like i'm sure going into the draft last year like it wasn't unthinkable that we may have to replace paul gunther after this upcoming season and you know if you draft a guy 19th overall you better believe that he can fit you know multiple schemes and be a guy that you want to ride with for the foreseeable future you know and so if a defensive coordinator changing is going to you know make a guy suddenly you know obsolete for you like i don't know if that's the guy you drafted 19th all right, so they signed Casey Hayward. Obviously, he knows Gus very well, knows the defense, and I'm sure they told him, hey, we're bringing you in here to be a veteran leader, but also you're going to play. Probably you might. It's a good chance you start. But I think with Arnett, so that's that's all true, but so Arnett's a guy who was picked in the first round, and you're saying, look, you know, I'm a new guy. I'm a new coordinator here. We're going to see what you can do. But, I mean, Casey Hayward's not what he once was. Obviously, he's still a good player, but he's definitely on the, on the downward side of his career. So, if you, a first-round pick, can't beat out this older veteran cornerback, then maybe that's a sign that we are doing the right thing, bringing him in here. So, I think it's definitely there's a bar that's been raised. And uh, if Arnett can get over it, that's great. If not, then it's not only on them for making a, quote-unquote, bad pick, but also on him for not meeting the challenge. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, well, let's flip over to the other side of the ball offensively. And, I mean, really the the biggest, I think, most interesting thing is what's going to go on there on, on the offensive line. We know Andre James. Um, I think they wanted to at one point try to imply that it was competition, but we know Andre James, he's a starter. I mean, they gave him that extension. Um, He's obviously going to start there. They don't trade Rodney Hudson unless they feel really good about him. Um, Alex Leatherwood is going to start at right tackle um, and and we'll see how that goes. We'll see if he can, you know, kind of reward their faith and taking him in the first round. And then uh, the two guard positions, you know, Vic, you've written about and talked about how it is a three-way battle for those two starting jobs. Uh, how, how realistic is it that Richie Incognito doesn't win the starting left guard job? I think that's a great question. I think definitely because me going in, I thought of the three of them, I thought Denzel might be the more, Denzel Good might be the more likely backup. But yesterday we talked to him. He clearly, I think in his mind, coming back here and, and signing with them again, he clearly sees himself as the guy. Like I'm a, I'm a starting right guard, period. There's no competition. He has that confidence. I'm sure they've helped him feel that way. So I think they also are very high on John Simpson. So I think it'll be a fascinating battle for those two spots amongst those three guys. Now, I'm not sure Richie's going to um, – I don't know how well he'll handle it if he's not, the, <laughs> it's not starting. So, um, and, and yeah, he clearly has worked hard. He's in great shape for being an older guy, and he definitely thinks he's a leader. He is a leader on this team. It'll be fascinating to see what happens there. I really think that's going to be an interesting battle, one of the more interesting ones on this team uh, in, in camp. I mean, if he doesn't win the starting job, doesn't he probably get cut? Because he's not going to – I mean, he does He's not going to take a backup job, right? He's not making much. I mean, he's um, and so you can definitely afford it in terms of the cap wise, and definitely he is respected in the locker room. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that's a conversation he's ready to have quite yet. I'm also I'm not sure what the interest would be around the league as far as him having a chance to start somewhere else you know, coming in. I mean, you never know the injuries, but that's again, I don't know how he'd react to that news. I think, and again, to me, it's clearly at this point. Richie definitely thinks he's a starter. Denzel Good definitely <laughs> thinks he's a starter. And the coaching staff and the brass is very high on John Simpson. So I think one of those three things obviously can't uh, wind up the way they want it to wind up. For Simpson to, you know, even challenge Incognito, I think it's a really good sign that he, he he's improved a lot because, you know, Incognito, when he was healthy, was legit one of the best guards in the league. So for him to, you know, challenge Incognito for a starting spot is a, it's a pretty good sign. He made some really significant improvements and that's a good sign for the Raiders they might have a really young offensive line if that's if that happens yeah Richie I mean with him coming off an injury I mean he, he basically missed you know 15 out of 16 games last year since he was hurt so early in the Saints game um he's in his late 30s you know I know it, it seemed like more of a battle I think we all agree between Good and, and Simpson but I think just from a attrition standpoint you know having 17 games now it is more likely that uh, along the way you may need you know, somebody, even if, you know, it is incognito and good coming out of training camp, you know, we have to see if incognito can hold up for this entire season. And, and if not, then 
it seems like at least you'll have three starting caliber guards where, you know, if somebody goes down, you know, especially considering last year, how many injuries they had on the offensive line, I think that's a, a good problem to have. So you would think with all of them being pretty affordable that they would just keep all three unless one of them just lost their minds if they weren't a starter or something of that nature. But I think the both the staff and the players have been pretty impressed with, with Simpson's progress so far. Greg Olson said he was there their strongest player overall coming out of the offseason training program and that he made a lot of strides from last year in the weight room. And so that's also resulted in him gaining some confidence in his ability and, and you know, moving a little bit faster out there and, and reacting more than, than thinking so much. And so, you know, either way it goes, I don't think it's a bad thing to have, you know, potentially three starting caliber guards. Um, so you would think that that was something that they would try to keep on the roster moving forward. It would seem to make a lot of sense if you go into the year with good and with incognito as your starters and just kind of understand, like you talk to Simpson. I mean, Simpson's the young guy in that group. He's the guy on the rookie contract. You can kind of talk to him and say, listen, man, you're going to get an opportunity. Incognito's 38. He ain't going to be here around here forever. I do wonder, I mean, if Richie doesn't win the starting job, does he want to keep coming out every day, battling his ass off at practice for a backup job? I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's really the there's not a whole lot of battles to be won on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, at receiver, there are, you know, it, it, maybe a, a couple spots or two open. I know, you know, you guys have written that at slot receiver, there is a battle. You know, Willie Sneed is going to challenge Hunter Renfro. Uh, I mean, the way Hunter Renfro has played the last couple of years, it would it would seem to be that his spot would be pretty well secure. But I mean, is there any chance that uh, that with some of the depth there that that Renfro could get squeezed? No, I don't think so. Not really. I mean, Snee has looked fine. Um, he's gotten some some reps and made a few plays out there and practice so far. But I, I think the other guys, I, I think Renfro is, you know, his his position as a starting slot is pretty solidified. Yeah, it's also possible that Snee shows enough where he can be that six receiver. I think um, I think I pushed for us to put Dylan Stoner as the sixth guy on a fifty three man roster, and uh, maybe they don't they don't use him that much. Maybe they kind of hide him and they try and get him on a practice squad and. And that six spot can go to Willie Sneed. But, um, but yeah, I, I do agree with Deshaun. I think it's hard for me to imagine Hunter Renfro not being the starting slot. No matter how good Willie Sneed is and how much Gruden loves his toughness and the veteran staff and all that stuff, um, I think that the goal probably is he rubs off some of that wisdom on Hunter Renfro and maybe Hunter's will push a little bit. But uh, they are really high on Hunter Renfro, and there's that connection he has with Derek Carr. So it's, I know we say it's a competition, but it is really hard to imagine uh, Willie Sneed beating out Hunter Renfro. I will say, like, from where our view is at practice, like, they have us stuck <laughs> to one end zone, essentially. And, like, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen work towards that side. And then the receivers and defensive back work all, all the way on the other side of the practice field. And so I can kind of see what's going on down there. But who knows? Maybe Dylan Stoner is just killing everybody down there. Like, maybe, maybe our guys is shredding them. We don't know. Maybe Keelan Doss is going nuts. I have no idea what's going on out there. <laughs> Keelan Doss is having a big camp, and I can't see it. Hey, Keelan Doss is from Alameda, guys, just so you know. But, Vic, I mean, I, I expected, you know, blow by blow, let you letting us know everything Dylan Stoner is doing out there. I mean, you... <laughs> Here's my blow by blow account, Dylan Stoner, so far in camp. That's it. There's been, there's been, I, haven't, I haven't seen the guy. I mean, God bless him. I'm, I'm sure getting you binoculars, man. It's it's early. It's early in camp. I think they call it the acclimation period, whatever pads go on. I do think he'll be a factor, but um, who knows? With with John and Mike, man, I can never know what's really going on. And I think maybe they do try and hide him and stash him. I don't really think. Oh. But you're right. At this point, he has not been visible to me in the early going of training camp so far. Well, it's hard to hide him. When you guys list him on your article and make a pun about him on Twitter, 
He's out there now. He's out, he's out there. <laughs> so, oh, oh, he's been teams exposed. Like, oh, team's like, yeah, you know, they had that really bad marijuana pun on Twitter about that one guy. We got to take a second look at Stoner. They're hiding that guy. Let's, let's get him. Yeah, I'm not sure that happens in the NFL, but maybe. Ted is just bitter that that your pun was more well-received than his pun. <laughs> Do not have to mention that one again? Yeah, that's, that's not. You know, I'm going to say something I never thought I would say. Oh, my just, goodness. There we go. I'm Super actually – I'm. I'm excited that we get to see preseason games this year. That was the hard thing last year is that, I mean, with the Raiders being their first year in Vegas, first time for me not being out there training camp, didn't get to see anything, and then didn't have preseason games. So, like, this whole period, other than the few media that were actually out there, um, really spent that whole July-August period blind as to what's going on. You know, for a guy like Dylan Stoner, for some of these guys, it actually is It's nice that this year, I'm glad it's down to only three because four was way too many, but I am actually kind of happy that uh, we get preseason games this year. That's great. I guess you're lying. Nathan Peterman to Marshall Aitman. Enjoy, enjoy that. Yeah, no, nah, man. We tripping, man. It's Marcus Mariota's zone reads. What are you talking about? No, nah, I mean, with, with their roster... I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the, the younger ones in the league. Um, you know, and, and they have a lot of positions where maybe the starting jobs are figured out, but it's pretty clustered um, in terms of the depth and who's going to be the backups. So I think those preseason games, I guess, you know, coaches will always say they're important, but, you know, particularly for us, you know, being able to evaluate um, who's ahead and then who's kind of outperforming others, it'll be pretty, pretty valuable this year. Yeah. In all seriousness, it will be kind of cool to see like Tanner Muse and, and Javin White, what they can do and guys like that who are fighting for the last spots in the roster. So it definitely is very important for younger players and definitely it will be uh, good to watch those guys have a chance to make their dreams come true again. My favorite thing is whenever they have these in training camp is those joint practices. Vic and Deshaun, you guys will both get to go down to L.A. and watch the Raiders practice with the Rams ahead of that preseason game. And You know, I remember from the last time the Raiders had, uh, had joint practices in Napa. I mean, those are more entertaining than, you know, preseason games. You get I think you get a lot more out of watching those than even watching the preseason game. So that's going to be really good that joint practices are back and you're going to get to see the Raiders down in L.A. against the Rams. Yeah, they had a great test for those three guards you talked about to go against Aaron Donald. I remember last time uh, Gabe Jackson, he got a little chippy for a couple days there. So I think that would be great to watch you know, um, Simpson and, and Richie and uh, and Denzel go against uh, the best player, I think, in the NFL. Like, Is there ever a joint practice that doesn't get testy? Or like the opposing teams end up trying to fight each other somehow? There's a one of the Cowboys years ago where the fans, <laughs> fans were swinging <laughs> those mini helmets at the players. That was good stuff. But yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I think they are all testy. Who fought last time the Rams were? I mean, when the Rams were in Napa? Well, there was Darren Donald and Gabe got into it. There's other. There's also a fight. It was the linebacker? I think it was a linebacker for the Rams who got into it with someone, but I forgot who it was. But yeah, definitely you know, players enjoy the chance to go against somebody else. They're tired of you know kind of like going soft and not going full full metal against the guys on their, their own team. So definitely they have a chance to make some plays and show their you know, enforce their will against other guys. I mean, I'll really look forward to seeing how the secondary, how the young guys in the secondary do you know, Matthew Stafford. We all know the kind of arm that he has, and that's going to be fun to see Matthew Stafford throwing against that defense and seeing if some of those guys in the secondary can make some plays on the ball. I going to say guys like Henry Ruggs with him getting bigger this offseason. You know, I don't know if he'll draw the Jalen Ramsey matchup, but if he had to go against a guy like that, seeing if he's able to get off the line of scrimmage and things of that nature would be pretty interesting. It would be good for the young offensive line to get some real-life work together especially Andre James having to see 
you know, multiple fronts with the Rams and all their slanting they do. Yeah, so it'd be good to get some live reps to gel because they're going to be seeing the Ravens in week one and they need to, you know, get as many reps and get the communication down as soon as possible. All right, well, the pads go on, what, is it Monday for the Raiders? Is that when they uh, they, they first break out the pads? Tuesday. Tuesday. All right. That's always probably the best early day of camp is when you finally get to see that. I mean, the the O-line, D-line drills. Um, I mean, when we get to see Crosby and Ngonkwe go against Leatherwood, I mean, it's going to be a good test for Leatherwood just to uh, start getting his feet wet. So uh, we'll look forward next week to you guys kind of breaking down how that goes. And uh, hey, we're we're back. Training camp is underway, and uh, we're ready to keep talking about the Raiders uh, as they get ready for that opener against the Ravens. We're gonna buy some binox, man. We'll be able to see things in the next couple of days. It's gonna be great. Yeah, we just gotta make friends with the family and friends so we can get over there on the bleachers. Well, <laughs> that'll be funny. Yeah, we'll try. We'll try that. And whatever you do, not give a T-shirt to Nicholas Morrow. We have to stop that. <laughs> They got to get some more running backs in there. We didn't even mention that, but obviously, uh, Theo Riddick and Jalen Richard opening up on the COVID nineteen list. Uh, but they did get Kenyon Drake back. At least uh, you know he he only missed a couple of days on the non football injury list. So uh, we didn't we didn't want Josh Jacobs getting too burnt out uh, early in camp. But hopefully they'll get those other guys back and uh, be able to to get rolling with this camp. So uh, we'll we'll see how things go, and uh, we'll obviously be back again next week. I think we're gonna try to make Thursday our regular day to record here during camp. But uh, obviously camp's kind of a crazy time, so uh, things got to be fluid. So we'll. Uh, We'll keep you guys posted and locked in on on the next time we record. But uh, looking forward to football season being back underway. All right, y'all. See you next time. Talk to you later. Adios.